And we're going to read from the Word of God. And then after we've read from the Word of God, we're going to ask our sister, Mrs. Elizabeth Steele, uh, to come and minister to us in song, please. We're turning tonight to Judges. Judges chapter 16. Judges chapter 16. Judges chapter 16. And we'll read from verse 21. Judges chapter 16, verse 21. Judges chapter 16, verse 21. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass and he did grind in the prison house. Howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered them together for to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon their God and to rejoice for they said our God has delivered Samson our enemy into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. And it came to pass, when their hearts were merry, that they said, Call for Samson, that he may make us sport. And they called for Samson out of the prison house. and He made them sport, and they set him between the pillars. And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. And there were upon the roof about three thousand men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me. I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood, and on which it was borne up, of the one with his right hand, and of the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might. And the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. Then his brethren and all the house of his father came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtaol in the burying place of Manoah his father. And they judged Israel <coughs> 20 years. Amen. We know that God will stamp his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. We're really delighted to have our sister Elizabeth Steele with us and her husband Tommy, and we appreciate them coming all the way from Macrofelt this evening. Uh, thank you for coming. She's going to come and minister to us in song. I, I just apologise. I wasn't here this morning. I had to go to Clock Mills to take the communion service in particular. And um, well, there's not so many here tonight. There's maybe a variety of reasons as to why that is. But uh, thank you for coming, and we pray the Lord will bless your ministry amongst us. Thank you. 
Samson. She's already sung about the Lord is my shepherd, he restoreth my soul, and we'll be thinking about the restoration of Samson, and of course we'll be thinking about how holy God is. So these three pieces tie in exactly to what I want to share with you for the next 20 or 25 minutes or so. Let's just have a wee word of prayer. Lord, we want to thank you tonight for these old hymns of Zion that we have sung. We thank you for the ministry of our sister that we've heard. And we're blessing thee, Lord, that the truth is that we can say the Lord is my shepherd. And we thank thee for having a personal relationship with thee, the shepherd and bishop of our soul. We acknowledge that thou art thrice holy. We pray thee'll bow the knee to thy holiness. And, O God, that the fear of thee will be in our hearts. And, Lord, we'll realize that as we journey through life, we're, we're creating a record. And, O God, we know that, that our record will be clean through the blood of the Lamb. And Lord, that we rejoice in a day to come. For us it will be absent from the body and present with the Lord. Now Lord, just take thy word that we've read together. And O oh God, apply it to our hearts and the lives this evening as we listen to it. Lord, I pray for the cleansing in the blood. And ask for the help of thy Holy Spirit now as we preach together from thy word. For we ask it tonight for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Now my text this evening is taken from Judges chapter 16 verses 21 to 23 that I've read in your hearing and my theme tonight is Samson and his restoration at the end of his life. Judges 16 verses 21 to 31 records the final few months of Samson's life. Now Samson as we have discovered in past nights is a very complex character. He is, of course, a saved man. He's mentioned in Hebrews 11. He belongs to a very long line of the heroes of the faith. Indeed, Samson, we have to say, is an Old Testament believer. And yet he was also a very silly man and a very sinful man in his lifetime. He was a man who lived according to the very dictates of his own flesh. The Samson story is 
of a man who did great feats for God. And yet he was also guilty of great follies. A man of great courage and yet a man of great carelessness. Many of you who are familiar with the life story of Samson and the details in the Bible. From chapter 13 you've got the story of his remarkable birth. He was born at a time when the Philistines were getting havoc in the land of Israel. And from the day that his birth was announced, Samson was set apart and consecrated to God. He was told, or at least the parents were told, that he was not to drink wine or strong drink. He was not to have his hair cut. He was not to touch a dead body. He was not to eat grapes. He was not to eat anything unclean. These, of course, were just symbols of his consecration and separation unto the Lord. And I have no doubt that God raised Samson up to be a deliverer at this time in the land of Israel. And then when you come to chapters 14 and 15, you learn Samson, by the power of the Spirit of God, slew 30 Philistines at Ashkelon and took their garments to pay a bet. He caught 300 foxes and paired them together by tying their tails, set their tails alight and let them loosen the cornfields and vineyards of Timnah out of revenge for the burning of his wife and father-in-law. At Lehi he slew a thousand with the jawbone of an ass. Remember, an ass is an unclean animal. At Gaza he carried the gates with its bars 30 miles in one night right up to the top of Hebron. Time and time again, the Spirit of God came upon Samson. And all that Samson did, he did these great feats in the name of the Lord. He didn't accomplish them in his own strength or power. He accomplished them by the power of the Spirit of God. Now, Samson had seven lovely locks of hair. His hair, remember, was only a symbol of his consecration unto God. There was nothing magical about his hair. There was nothing he-man-like about Samson. I believe he was just an ordinary-looking man in a physical sense. And you would have expected Samson to be on his guard to protect the very secret and symbol of his strength, his consecration and separation unto the Lord. Remember, he is a constant target for the Philistine enemy. He's public enemy number one. And yet sadly, at least on three occasions recorded for us in the Bible, Samson make friends with three Philistine women. The Philistine woman from Timnah, a Philistine harlot in Judges 16 verses 1 to 3, and of course a Philistine by the name of Delilah. According to Judges 16, Samson fell in love with Delilah at Zorik. Now Delilah was not going to help Samson judge Israel. She was not going to help him to live for God. She was not going to help him to be a man of God. She was not going to help him to judge Israel righteously or truthfully. No, Delilah has her heart set on destroying Samson. Delilah entered into a bond with her Philistine lords to betray Samson for money. I want you to think of Delilah as a subtle Philistine woman with a Philistine heart. And sadly and wrongfully and stupidly, Samson allowed his lust to rule his head and his heart. He fell hook, line and sinker for Delilah. 
And we read of him here at Zorik in her house, at least on three occasions, she begs Samson to tell her the secret of his strength. Of course, on each occasion he lied to her. He rose up when she called the Philistines be upon thee, Samson, and defeated the Philistines. This was a big game to, to Samson. And then on the fourth occasion, look at the Bible, verses 16 and 17. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words. And urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart, and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. And if I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak, and be like any other man. This time, Delilah knew he was telling her the truth. And again, amazingly, for a fourth time, she caused Samson to fall asleep at her knee. And then when he was asleep, she called for the barbers, cut off his hair, removed the seven lovely locks. And then after that was done, she awoke him with the usual call, the familiar cry, Samson, the Philistines be upon thee. Read in verse 20, and we preached in this two Sunday nights ago. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. We preached a sermon, what happened when Samson met Delilah. Isn't this a most tragic, terrifying spiritual state for any individual to be found in? Or any church or any church body of God's people to be found in. In the end, Samson is taken by the Philistines. His eyes are put out. He's brought down to Gaza. He's used like a, an ox to tread out the corn. He, they have him bound in fetters of brass. And one day they bring out Samson to make sport with them among the people that are having a big feast and celebration today gone. And then we read, in verse 22, how be it that hair began to grow again after he was shaven. Read in verse 28, and Samson called on the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. I want us to think tonight of Samson and his restoration at the end. And I want to very quickly, simply leave three thoughts with you. I want you to think, first of all, of the losses that Samson sustained. Look at verse 28. And Samson called on the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee. Only this once, O Lord, O God, that I may be at once the avenge of the Philistines for my two eyes. We have seen Samson in the past. Making a wrong choice. We, we see Nick Samson enjoying wrong company. Especially the company of three Philistine women. Someone has said rightly show me your company. And I'll show you your character. And good character of course can be corrupted by bad company. Were there no lovely beautiful women in Israel that could have attracted Sam, Samson's attention? The answer is yes. But he didn't want them. 
See, Samson lost it in his heart for something that was actually forbidden to him. And here he is enjoying the wrong company of these ungodly women. And I would say, although there's very few young people in the meeting tonight, young people, watch your company. Watch the choices that you make. He engaged in the wrong conversation. He engaged in the wrong conduct. He told Delilah the secret of his strength. He told her that he was bound by a Nazarite vow unto God from his youth. Chapter 16, verse 17. Surely the alarm bell should be ringing in his ears. What's this woman up to? Why does she want to know the secret of my strength? Why did she call and wake me three times and say, Samson, the Philistines be upon thee? How could they get here so quickly? Samson, of course, when they came, was forced to defend himself. You see, Samson was engaging also in a spirit of carelessness. He wasn't alert. He wasn't awake to what this woman could be up to. And of course, eventually he goes to sleep. We read about it in the scriptures. Four times he falls asleep on her knee. I believe he knows what she's up to. I believe he's quite prepared to go to sleep. I believe he experienced the wrong confidence. Samson knows what Delilah's about. Listen to what he said in verse 20. I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. Isn't that tragic? That he's taken. He wasn't taken from the battlefield. He was taken from the knee of a Philistine harlot woman that he lusted after and professed to love. Can I say tonight that Samson's sins led to great losses? Because he was found in the wrong company, enjoying that company, engaging in wrong conduct and conversation, in a spirit of carelessness, Samson ends up with a wrong confidence, and that leads to great losses in his life. Losses that could never be recovered. There's a sin, of course, that leads to irreconcilable, irrecoverable losses. I believe, of course, in Samson's restoration and recovery. It's not all over for Samson. However, there's a consequence to sin. Sin pays wages. Sin leaves scars. If you think of me getting a piece of wood and driving a number of nails into that wood and then deciding, you know, that's ugly looking. I'm going to pull those nails out. I'm going to fill those holes. I'm going to sand it down. The traces of the scars that the nails have made in the wood will always be there. A tree and I could pick them out. And Samson suffered as a result of sin. His backsliding was tragic. And now listen to me. He was never the same again. Yes, we read in verse 22, howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. But he sustained great losses. Let me suggest tonight, there was the loss of sight. When he was taken captive, his eyes were put out. I believe it was probably with a red-hot poker. He never regained his sight. He died a blind man. He, he, he in fact testifies here that he's led by the hand of a mere boy. Why? Because he's blind. He, he, he gropes along 
the house, the prison house where he lives. Why? Because he's blind. It's a testimony that he's lost something he never regained. He lost his freedom. Where is he? He's in the prison house in Gaza. He died a prisoner of the Philistines. He never roamed the land of Israel again. He never went back home again. He never saw daddy or, or mummy again alive. He, he certainly wasn't functioning as a judge again in the land of Israel. Why? Because of his alliance with Delilah. Because of his lust for the love of, of, of a woman that he shouldn't have had. A Philistine woman with a Philistine heart. She didn't love Samson. She loved money. And would do anything for money. He lost his freedom. He lost his job. Samson was born to be a judge. He was set apart from birth. In fact, we read in chapter 15 and verse 20. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines. 20 years. But here now he's in the prison house in Gaza. Here now he's grinding corn there. He has lost very precious days of his life. He's not able to do what God wanted him to do. Why? Because he's not only lost his freedom, but he's lost his ability to be a judge in the land of Israel. And more than that, he's lost his witness for God. I believe his hearing was probably good. You know, they tell you when somebody's dying that the hearing is the last to go. Did Samson not hear the Philistine boast in Gaza? Boast in their false god? Did you read it there in verse 23 and verse 24? Twice they said, our god delivered into our hands our enemy. That, that, that false god was taken. Here he is, hearing about a false god. Hearing about the false exploits of a false god. Dagon was no god at all. But there's no praise in Gaza to the living and the true God. Samson no, no longer is able to do something for God. He's no longer a man that the young people would want to emulate or follow after or be influenced by. He has lost his witness. Also he lost his hair. The hair was a symbol <laughs> of a separation unto God, his strength, his sanctification. Numbers 6 and 3. And then the day it was cut, he lost it all. He's now short of a separation, his strength, his sanctification unto God. There's a way back for every backslider. And we can say God is married to the backslider, glory to God. But I want to tell you, sin leaves a mark. Samson sustained great losses. And I want you to think of these great losses that he sustained. A fivefold loss. He lost his sight. He lost his freedom. He lost his job description. He lost his witness for God. He lost his hair. And you know the things that Samson lost? He didn't regain. I believe he probably lived to regret every day when he first set eyes on Delilah and set his heart on a woman that he shouldn't have had. You and I, of course, as Christians, we need to be very careful in the realm of sin. We're not to allow sin to have dominion over us or sin to control us. We need to be sensitive to sin. We need to live in such a way that we keep short accounts with God. Because remember, sin pays wages. Sin leaves scars. Think of the great losses Samson sustained. Notice very quickly, 
the life that Samson regained. It says in verse 22, Howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. Glory to God, his hair began to grow. He could feel it. He could sense it. Yes, there was black marks in Samson's life, but there was also blessed mercy in Samson's life. He was not completely finished. His failure, of course, was not final because failure's never really final with God. God's a God of mercy. The psalmist and our sister Elizabeth sang it today, He restoreth my soul. There was restoration for Samson. Now, now think of the blessed mercy of God. When the Philistines took him, they didn't kill him. They simply made him a prisoner. Samson, remember, had slain a thousand. Lehi had slain 30 in Ashkelon. He had slain countless others. In fact, they, they testify here, which slew many of us. And, and you would have thought, well, there's those that wanted Samson dead. God in mercy kept him alive. The Philistines now have him in their hands. They, they make him a, a prisoner in the prison house at Gaza. And amazingly, there's nobody with a spirit of revenge to rise up to put him to death. God in providence, as I've said, is keeping him alive. The mercy and grace of God is sparing his life. His hair was cut off. We know that. But what do we read? How being the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. The hair was cut off, but they could not pull the roots out. It wasn't pulled out by the roots. It began to grow again. The root was there, now listen to me carefully, naturally. The Philistines couldn't see it. They maybe even couldn't sense it. But the root of the matter was there. And you know, if the root of grace is even in the heart and life of a true backslider, the Lord knows that it's there. And we're well aware that if the root of grace is in those people who profess to know and love the Lord and yet sin against him, we know that the true believer can't and will never lose his salvation. The psalmist said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. He'd lost his joy. He'd lost his enjoyment of God and Christ. But he hadn't lost his salvation. Because the root was there. By the grace of God. You see, our salvation doesn't depend on what we do. Salvation's of the Lord. Salvation depends on what Christ has done. You, you can't be saved one day and lost the next. Because if that's true, then, then our salvation depends on what we do. And of course we know it doesn't. Because... For by grace he is saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Titus said, Titus 3, 3 and 5, Not by works of righteousness would we have done, but according to his mercy he hath saved us. And if the root is in us, and God alone knows if the root is in us, the Lord knoweth them that are his. There's a call goes out, let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But if the root is in us, then there's mercy for us. And, and restoration and recovery will be brought about by the grace and mercy of God. Samson becomes conscious to some degree and measure that his hair has begun to grow again. The root of the matter's there. So there's hope for Samson. The life that Samson regained 
I want you to think thirdly and finally the Lord that Samson honored. If you look at verse 28, and Samson called on the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me. I pray thee only this once, O God. At the end of his life, providentially, Samson wants to do something more for God. I'm sure there was maybe times when he felt his service was over, his life was finished, I've been forgotten of God, abandoned, I've been cast off, there's nothing left for me to do. But once he becomes conscious that his hair begins to grow, and here providentially they're bringing Samson out for sport at this big feast to the God Dagon, this big party type situation, Samson senses an opportunity. What does Samson do? Samson says to the lad that's leading him, Suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. Verse 26. He's thinking now because he's conscious, what can I do for God? And then at that point, he prays. Now, now there's only two times when Samson prayed at the start. Of his ministry, when the Spirit of God began to move him at times, and at the end of his ministry. Remember, he's blind now. He's lost his freedom. He's lost his witness for God. He's been made sport of. And yet the grace and mercy of God has brought him to the point where he feels that he's able to do at least one more exploit for God. He's conscious that the hair is growing again. Something is happening. There's mercy for me. There's hope for me. God is dealing with me providentially in grace and mercy. He hasn't left me out. He hasn't left me off. And he prays, Lord, remember me. And his prayers heard in heaven. His, his spiritual communion and fellowship with the Lord is restored. He has a desire, of course, for revenge, for, for the glory and honor of the Lord's name. He's willing to, to sacrifice himself. And of course, by the mighty power of God, the house in Gaza is brought down. 3,000 are on the rooftop are slain. Among the five lords of the Philistines, they're also slain. And notice, doubt thousands of others who were in the, the ground floor of the house. What do we read there? So the death which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew. In his life. God hadn't forgotten him. And let me tell you one other thing as we finish. Samson was brought back to the very place where he started. It says in verse 31. Then his brethren and all his, the house of his father came down. And took him and brought him up. And buried him between Zorah and Eshtaol. In the burying place of Manoah his father. And he judged Israel twenty years. If you go back to chapter uh, 14, chapter 13, it says, verse 25, And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtual. He was back to the very place where he started. And isn't that what God does in the life of a backslider? Maybe you're here this evening, even though we're few in number and your heart is cold. And you would hold up your hands and say, you know, preacher, I'm in a backsliding state. And I'm aware that, that, that sin in my life can, can leave scars. And I'm aware that there's many wasted opportunities and things that I've lost. I made wrong choices. I, I've been in wrong company. 
But I have a consciousness now that God's at work in my life again. And I'm willing to pray, Lord, remember me. And I'm willing to, to sack my face and offer myself afresh to the Lord. And the Lord will bring you right back to the very place you started out for him. Because that's what he did for Samson. You can pray tonight. You can ask the Lord to help you. You, you can say, Lord, restore me the joy of thy salvation. Lord, restore my soul this evening. Lord, Lord, let me know your power and blessing at work in my life again. You see the losses that he sustained. He realized that because of the life that he regained, the consciousness of the hair growing and the mercy of God upon him. And then he had to honor the Lord. It was, oh Lord God, remember me. Oh God. You see, it's centered in the Lord. And you have got to be brought again to that place. And I've got to be brought again. We could say much more. The life of Samson has been a fantastic study. At least for me, I've enjoyed it. I've never preached in the life of Samson before. But I trust we've seen something of Samson's restoration. Failure's not final. You don't have to wallow in your failure. You can bring yourself again to the Lord and cry out to him for grace and help and mercy. May the Lord bless these few thoughts to you this evening. Thanks for listening. And I pray the Lord will meet the need of our heart at this time.